Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Hello. Just before we get on with today's episode, Chris and I want to tell you all about our Patreon page. It won't take long, but we think you're going to want to hear it. Because you're missing out, quite frankly. Massively. All the more risque stuff that we sometimes think, oh, can we get away with that? Uh, we put it on our Patreon pages. And there's over 150 episodes uh, for our $10 subscribers. Absolutely. So for well, whatever that works out in UK pounds, what's that, about £7.50 a month? Yeah, for, for the price of a bag of chips, for a Savaloy and chips, you can actually have us in your ears four times extra a month. That's four episodes minimum that we put out um, exclusively for Patreons, plus... Um, there's loads of we video most of our episodes now and the videos you can watch all of the podcasts now over on Patreon as well um, we put up loads of other unique content over there yeah there's, there's there's pictures there it's basically our version of our OnlyFans account isn't it basically so you, you exactly. get the sort of pictures on there of, of the behind the scenes of Stu tucking into a pot noodle basically sort of stuff you, that shouldn't be available to the public no one needs to see that but that's all we just thought we'd give you a quick heads up that if you're enjoying these podcasts then be aware for like £7.50 you can go and listen to over 150 exclusive episodes and there's some great ones over there with previous guests as well um, loads of names that you're going to recognise if you've been listening to, to the, 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 the weekly podcast we put out and yeah and also if you are a subscriber we're more than likely to do one of your top fives if you recommend it because we prioritise the patrons first don't we as well Absolutely, yeah. So we, we try and sort of do as many top five suggested by you lot as well. So, uh, yeah, head over to Patreon. Where can they find out about it, Chris? Uh, Patreon.com forward slash hardcore listing. Easy peasy. And you can watch an intro video there as well of us in jacuzzis and doing sexy stuff. With Gal Porter. With Gal Porter. Not doing sexy stuff with Gal Porter. Can I just clear, clear that up? <laughs> Gal, I'm not trying to drag your name through the mud. <laughs> and Scroobius Pip. Yeah. <laughs> All right. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash hardcore listing. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing Podcast. I'm one half of the presenting duo. I'm Stu Whiffin. Sitting opposite me via the means of Zoom is... Uh, the better looking half of the presenting duo. Fortunately on a podcast, no one gets to see that. It's Christopher Glasson. You all right? I'm very well, thanks, mate. Yeah, very happy. Finished my move. And, um, yeah, can have a, a calm Saturday today. So, yeah, no running around doing anything crazy, no back-breaking work. So you've moved in with your, your girlfriend's parents? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm in with Molly and her mum and yeah. uh, their, their pet dog, 
Nancy and there's a cat Dylan. So yeah, so it's it's a veritable madhouse now. It's good though, really good fun. But that's Lovely. that's a week in they've been able to just about tolerate me. So you know, give it three weeks and you'll probably be, I'll probably be doing this from like you know a tent. <laughs> in the in the front garden. So, yeah. Well, um, before we get on with today's episode, we should thank our sponsors, um, and that I'm going to start with Charles from Love-Beer.co.uk. Um, Charles has, uh, like our other sponsor, has backed us for for well over a year now. Um, yeah. Oh, for sure, Probably and uh, to two. and in this lockdown, it's kind of um, hindered his business. Although I did see him this week. Um, and he said, uh, "Usual business is starting to resume." He's right. he, he stopped the other work he was doing to try and kind of make up the deficit from yeah. you know how uh, how COVID has affected his business. So um, he said, uh, and, he, and and it's been great. You know, he, he talks about the people that he's been doing the doorstep deliveries to, and they've been lots of our listeners. So um, thanks to you lot as well for for supporting Charles as well and and, and love hyphen uk. However, if you do want to go and um, have some beer delivered safely to your front door. Um, what's the because you can save yourself 15%, right? You sure can, my friend. Yeah, with the if you go into love beer.co.uk and once you've ordered your drinks and your bottles, uh, wonderfully named Growlers, if you get them ordered, you can put in a discount code of LBHCLP and you'll get a, a cheeky little 15% off your order as well. Who's our other sponsor? Well, is this because you're falling out with him? Is yeah, that yeah, right. yeah Luke, you can do Luke, it. <laughs> Luke Bang Boom, Bang Boom Creative. Yeah. Um, work with a lot of... Uh, it's a multimedia company that can produce anything for you, as they have done for us. And Scroobius Pip and Distraction Pieces. If you haven't checked out the Distraction Pieces quiz, it's a thing of beauty over on YouTube. It's free. Um, and Luke just is an incredible guy. He works with Children in Need, Katie Piper Foundation... And uh, and us, unfortunately for him, yeah, his his choice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, let's thank seventy six for producing this podcast as well. Thank you very much because um, he has to put three audio streams together because yes. obviously we're still in lockdown uh, and we have a guest today. Um, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce our guest today. It's Jack Singh. Hello, hello, mate. Again, you all right? Yeah, good. So um, we should say that. Um, uh, this is the first time I've virtually met Jag. Um, Jag is also uh, the father of my daughter's boyfriend. Um, and um, uh, he, he, his son, Josh, had, had told me that um, you'd, you'd written a book. Yeah. Uh, and, and when he told me the, the, what the book was about, I just thought this, this would be a great chat and, and you should come on the podcast and, and you should tell everybody about your book. And, Thank you very much. You know, Thank you. And hopefully... Did... Go on, Chris. Go on, now you finish and I'll, I'll jump in after. Go no, go on, go on. I was just going to say, this is probably a world first where two dads have met their their, their daughter or son's uh, <laughs> other half's dad first time over, over a podcast. So yeah. Yeah, 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 you guys is, have yeah. done a world first there. <laughs> um, so... Before we sort of we, we talk about your, your top five, do you want to um, sort of tell the listeners, uh, uh, you know, the title and 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 a kind of, uh, I, I guess, a, a, a brief description of, of of what the book is? Okay, so the book's uh, title is Unbreakable. Um, 
I wrote the first words of the book when Josh was born. Josh is 16 now. And the day he was born, I actually started the book first. That's the first time I started writing because I was so happy that I had a boy who's now going to grow up in a world and he wouldn't have to go through what I did in the 1970s. And, you know, I thought, yeah, I'll leave this behind. I'm not going to be here forever. But I want you to leave something behind that can show the world uh, the true impact of racism, uh, hate crime, uh, bullying, at its full impact, you know. But yeah. So when Josh was born, I was really happy. I was over the moon thinking, you know, this boy is not going to go through what I went through. And that motivated me to start writing the book. And it's taken 16 years um, because, obviously, I've got two children. I've got probably old as well so in between having a full-time job uh feeding the budgie taking care of the house you know, normal household bills i've managed to find window of opportunities to write this book and i didn't want it to be quantity i want it to be quality yeah so obviously i've spent that extra time i mean i, I couldn't read and write until i was 13 i couldn't put a string of sentence together wow. when i was 13 because i'd spent too many years running away from the bullies the racist teachers didn't pay much attention to us and you know survival wars was more important to me than education at the time okay so when i was 13 yeah. i sat down i thought i can't even string a sentence together uh i learned so i've had to learn how to write from the bottom to the top verbs nouns everything and you know josh has helped a hell of a lot um and i've had a lot of help from other people as well but yeah so when you write this story i would make sure that i can leave it to everyone to read and find out what we went through those dreaded taking time to write it as well you, you get the opportunity to reflect look and refine it don't you as well so it's a bet it's a it's going to have more depth and detail and thought and the opportunity to reflect on your words as well so yeah. you know there's not it's not a bad thing to, to spend that time really wanting to articulate everything you want over yeah. that course of time so I, I mean a very good friend of mine once said to me you write, don't write a book with a pen you write it with your heart and I have written this book with my heart. It comes from the soul of what I actually, feelings, what I've went through. I've actually, I mean, my brother's read the book and he's himself has said there was times when he's reading the book, he just had to put it away because it brought back memories. Yeah. And, and to me, that is showing that the full impact of the book is there. He said, Jag, I had to put the book away because I thought, God, I remember that part. That actually happened. And, and he can, and every eight years old and nine years old, you know, we're little kids. You know, we shouldn't have been going through what we did and no child should go through that no. um, yeah so I had to write the full impact of the book I mean the first draft I've done it about 10 times alright <laughs> overkill yeah <laughs> but then the editor said Jag you know if you don't if you don't finish it off no one's going to read it so I had to reach a point where I said right okay I'm done now I, this is this is complete now you know and Josh has helped as well because he, he read through it and he just slipped through it he said Jag do you know what dad do you know what it is so so smooth and easy to read and it's very understandable and more importantly the message the message of the book that was the main thing. That we just, just still needs to stop now. Yeah, we're in 2020 now. We just need to stop this now. I'm talking about 1970s. We're in 2020. We're still, you know, what's happening around us is wrong. It just needs to stop. So I'm, I'm sure we're going to um, d- d- discuss it as because for your top five, you're going to uh, we, we're going to talk about because it, it's it's very strange to kind of you know the the, the the way that we normally do this podcast is we'll get someone on and we'll go, right, top five sandwiches. And, and, and I didn't want this to come across grotesque in any way that it's like, let's talk about the top five moments you experienced racism because it just felt a bit cheap to, to, to talk about it like that. Um, so we, we, we've decided we're going to sort of do top five experiences that, that are going to relate to the book and, and your life, um, which I think, you know, will, will, will give, you know, people a really insight into why they should read your book and, 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 and what, horror you know you've you, you've experienced and 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 so I, I guess it would you want to go for the first one and we'll start to discuss that <coughs> the thing is true um 
when, you, when we spoke about five top experiences, to tell you the truth, there's hundreds, yeah, right? hundreds of experiences that impact us, impacted us during that time. There's so many experiences that I couldn't write it in the book. So yeah. what I'm going to do is, once the book comes out, Unbreakable, I'm going to be doing little short stories called Unbreakables, which yeah. will be still little stories coming from this. So. Top five experiences. I mean, I could think of hundreds, like I said, you know, it's too many, too many to name, and that is a bad thing, really, if you think mm. about it. Um, but yeah, I've narrowed it down to five and, and, and I've got them together. But to start from the top, um, the first one I'd start to say is the first ever uh, memory I have of racism um, is when my mum was walking down Barking Road. She's pushing her push chair. She's got my sister in there. My sister must have been about two or three years old. Uh, it's me on the right-hand side, six years old, seven years old. And when, when, when was this, Jake? What year 1976, was that 1976, um, Walking down Barking Road, surrounded by... We were, we were the minority, only Asians in the whole area. There's no black, no Chinese, no, no ethnics whatsoever. Uh, we're walking down the road, and in front of us, we had about seven, eight skinheads, uh, standing there, um, and <laughs> as brave as they were, they started shouting at my mum and swearing words and said, "Get lost, go back to your country." Blah blah blah. And you can you can swear on this podcast if you need to, Jake. By the way, okay, okay, mm. okay. <clears throat> so they tell my mum to you know f off, fuck off, get out of this country, say our country. Blah blah blah. We don't need you here. And my mum at that moment, all right, my mum came to this country in 1945, uh, a bit earlier than my dad. My dad came in 1967 to have an arranged marriage with my mum. So my mum came in 1945 and she was um, five years old. And she worked at Petticoat Lane Markets. My granddad done markets here and there. So she's used to dealing with a bit of riffraff, right? Obviously, she's dealing with a bit of riffraff. But so, so we're walking down this road and we see these skinheads standing in front of us. And uh, my mum, I looked at my mum and I said, Mum, we need to cross the road. She goes, We ain't crossing the road. <laughs> my mum was a rottweiler and she turned around which she did is and she said uh, so she put us me, put me and Bob my brother Bob to the side and said hold this push chair I'll be back in a minute <laughs> we came mum what wow. are you doing no, mom, no. and she goes no 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 it's okay don't worry we're not crossing the road just stay here stay here and stay back in a minute and my mum right she's always had these forearms I call them onion grating forearms because she doesn't <laughs> believe she's, she, she, she had these, yeah, she's, she's small she's only about five foot but she's a nut and, and she's a cockney was, even today is excellent anyway so we stand in this shop and she walks out to his skinheads and say she goes what'd you say and she's got his Indian clothes on, and you know, she's Indian looking. She goes, What'd you say? Say that, say that again. And he's seven, six skinheads, big boys, and we're standing there looking at our mum, going, Oh, mum, don't do this, please. This, this is going to go south, man. And, she's, and she goes, What'd you say? What'd you bloody say? Now, there was a lot of shock in these skinheads at that time because one, they're thinking, How the hell can an Indian lady speak cockney? <laughs> Two, they're thinking, She's five foot, she's ready for a and thirdly, like I said before, her forearms. They didn't want to miss. And we <laughs> saw these skinnies disperse one by one. Go away. Then she came back and leant forward and she said to us, never be scared. Mm. She goes, never be scared of them. If you show them you're scared, she goes, you will be scared inside. In here, you'll be, you'll be scared. But don't ever show them. And that was my first ever racism uh, impact that I had. And, and it was like, oh, my God, I've got to be like my mum. <laughs> I'm going to become like my mum I'm not brave enough I'm not strong enough but she planted a seed in her head that day and that was that don't be scared and that, that's my first experience of so, racism so I, I guess those, those kind of mid, mid to, to late 70s re, really saw a, a, a spike in the, the British National Party and skinhead right wing skinhead culture um, that, that really spiked in that time period didn't it I think was this was that would when was the 
the Enoch Powell speech was that was that, that a little was bit before, yes, yeah. yeah. And there there was so it was very very, uh, you know, for, from my from my knowledge of just looking at you know watching documentaries and stuff that that, that kind of right wing skinhead culture because we should also point out that the true skinhead culture <clears throat> is entrenched in 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 black music uh, and 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 I but never then, worked that never worked yeah. that one out. Um, but then obviously there's lots of right-wing skinheads that are very yeah. a very different thing and that was yeah. the thing that 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 that, that come to fruition in the in the in the 70s that that the, you know that was yeah full of full of hate it, it was it was we were at the wrong place at the wrong time show mm. it was we didn't only have the media which was tv producing programs like Ain't Half Hot Mum, Mind Your Language, uh, Love Thy Neighbour. All these programs are going around, um, basically taking the piss out of Asians, blacks. Um, and then also we had the government, Enoch Powell, and we had the, the massive one was the National Front. Uh, that was clear as crystal. National Front, we had... Sorry, I said, I said British National Party. I, I meant the National Front. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, the National Front. Um, they were they were posting. Le- we just get leaflets coming through our posts, and it was it. Was, they were dreadful. It was like if you don't get out of our country, we're going to rape your daughters, we're going to murder your, your your parents. And was that, was, that, was that a note, or was that uh, like a, like someone they'd gone beyond a note and actually mass produced that as a leaflet? Mass produ- Good question. Mass produced it as a leaflet. I remember clearly. It was clearly a leaflet which had been printed and used to come through our post every couple of days. My mum and dad used to do what they could to pick them up and throw them away. But when we did ever catch them, we used to have pictures of Asian people with exaggerated turbans on their head, uh, pictures of black people with exaggerated lips, uh, Chinese people with rice hats. And and the message to be clear, get out of our country. And the NF stamp used to be on them. It used to be a big NF stamp on them saying that, you know, we're the National Front and we're coming. And the one that really stuck to my head was that we're going to burn your house down. That just scared the crap out of me. That one day they said, if you don't get out of here, we're going to burn your house down. And that was... And back to what you're saying, Stuart, um, and I've emphasised this in the book, there were a minor amount of skinheads that were nice. They were actually nice people. And I remember one time, I, we, we were down... Um, Upton Park and some a whole bunch of West Ham hooligans decided to throw chips at me and my mum and again it was the pushier scenario <laughs> and we, 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 they were throwing chips at us and this massive skinhead come out of a shop he must have been about six foot and he said and he said to them he said what are you doing they said oh right and one of them tried to be a bit cocky with him and said to him yeah yeah what are you going to do about it but what he didn't realise was as he turned around all his mates are gone <laughs> so mm-hmm. he's standing there with his six foot skinhead <laughs> and, and he got him onto the car and he said listen mate if you're not pick on someone, pick on me. Don't pick on a woman with her children. And again, and, and he ran off, and, and Skinner turned around to me and, and me and my brother and said, you know, I'll never be scared. And they said, so now I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm confused now. <laughs> One yeah. minute. But, the, but, but the majority of Skinner's at that time were racist. The majority. So it's an odd few that just followed the fashion trend. And I mean, around, around the country, there were Skinner's everywhere, but, but we had it bang on yeah. in London in East London, because that is where the biggest den of National Front was. So, so where did you... Yeah, totally. Where did you grow up then? You said Barking then, Jack. Was it... That, Jack? It was Barking Road, but the area was Cadding Town in Canning East Town, London. Cadding Town, right, okay. yeah, Cadding Town, right, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's Barking Road. Barking Road, go off Cadding Town. And uh, it was just the wrong place to be at. The wrong place to be at at that, that time for us. But my dad had no internet. There was no internet we could check on. Oh, let me see what this area is like before I move into it. You, oh, you come in. So it was, it's, it's five, five out of five on Trustpilot for racism. 
There you go. Move, the, only, move. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only thing was that the family did say to my dad, don't move to Woolwich. Because Woolwich was notorious for skinheads. And, and, and not even move to uh, Woolwich. Asians and blacks at that time, the words were, don't even drive through Woolwich. That's how bad it was. And uh, my dad did once, and uh, it wasn't a good scenario what happened. But that's going to come out in my book soon, so I'll, I'll leave that there. I've, ne- I've never had to worry about my house burning down. Well, the, the idea that home isn't safe isn't... I've never had to question that, you know. So the thought that you were getting leaflets through your door saying, making all these threats, is just, it's just terrifying. Uh, Chris, on that point... The worst part was that, imagine sitting there with your family, watching telly, right, in an evening, and all of a sudden, someone throws a brick through your window. Uh, this was a common occurrence, at least every two weeks, every four weeks. Smash! I mean, the first time it happened, I remember clearly, we were watching, we were watching um, um, Some Others Do Have Them with Michael Crawford. Sitting there watching it, laughing away, giggling away, my little sister in a baby chair, legs wiggling away, you know. And all of a sudden, we had a big smash! And it was like, what, what are they doing now? Uh, and and ha- after, having read, I mean, after having read those leaflets, it was like, oh, my God, it's a full-on attack now. They're coming. And mum and dad would say, nah, it's not going to happen. Don't pay. And we went into the bedroom, which was a, uh, we had a big front window. We had a downstairs bedroom. Went in there. There's glass everywhere. Window was smashed. And my dad just stood there <laughs> looking at it. And we saw a skinhead standing across the road, lame as anything, leaning against the wall like this. And my dad looked at him and he went, have you just smashed my window, my bloody window? And he's broken, he broken English. And he went, yes, I have. And it's going to get worse. My dad lost it at that point, right? <laughs> my dad never left his house without his turban. But on this day, he did. <laughs> he just got <laughs> his shoes and went outside. And do you know what the skinhead did? He ran off. And my dad, I saw my dad that day standing in the middle of our road, shouting, swearing, saying, why, why have I come to this country? Because he came to this country in 1967 to have an arranged marriage, settled down, my mum have a happy family. But here he, here he is, being a, his house has been attacked, he's getting leaflets, it wasn't the right place for my dad. To tell you the truth, I don't know how my mum and dad, dad, dad went through that crap, really. really don't. How, 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 did, how did you try and process that in your, in your mind, Jack? As a young person, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to say that I've never ever had to witness my parents you know being threatened attacked or anything like that in my life you know and and to and, I, and I'll double load that question as well how, how was that seeing seeing like you know your parents having to go through that and secondly did you ever feel safe at home never Never felt safe. There were times when we, me and Bobby, planted a garden and we'll forget about it for a little while. Or like I said, we're watching a TV program, but the reminder will come straight away. The Fuck reminder will come. Know. The reminder would either come by either uh, the window getting smashed or the leaflet coming through or people at school telling us, you know, you don't belong in this country. Um, my, my dad said that you, you, you Indian people or you Paki people don't belong in this country. You need to F off back to your country. Hearing that, there's always reminders there. And how did I process it? I couldn't. I really couldn't. I, I just thought, you know, to tell you the truth, guys, me and my brother <laughs> decided when we were six, seven years old that we weren't going to make teenagers. We weren't going to be teenagers, let alone get married and have a life. And It wasn't worth it. We weren't going to make it. There's no way we were going to make it through to teenagers. And to think that every day that 
I'm going to go any day now, or I'm going to get attacked by skinheads, or a house is going to get burnt down, or they're going to have a full-on raid on the house. It was, you know, our life was short expected. Our life expectancy was short. And for a seven-year-old and six-year-old to think that at that time, it, it was dreadful. It, it was bad. It was bad. Oh, that's so sad. With that, I mean, this is a strange question, I guess, but like, that must, like, how do you... If glass is getting smashed that much, is that is that insurance or is that you just have to keep your mum and dad have to keep forking out to repair your house? So okay, I can't so, imagine. <laughs> so it's, Chris, that's a good question, Chris, because on that point, right, my dad was so innocent, right? He was so naive at the time. My mum used to say to him, "Go and tell the police, go 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 and tell them, go and get some help." And my dad said, "No, we're foreigners." I don't want to rattle the cage. I don't want to get attention on us. So what we'll have to do, we'll have to tolerate it. And eventually it'll go away. And that's what my dad used to say to my mum. And my mum, no, no, we need to go to the police. My mum had loads of arguments. Mum kept saying, he goes, we will not go to the police because this is not our place to go to the police. We don't get any attention. We'll just tolerate the windows and we'll keep changing them. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. Did, you, did you experience... Um you know, was there any interaction with the police over the, the, the racism, and how? How? What was your experiences with the police at that time? Um, my dad never ever went to the police for the first four or five years. It happened. My dad never went to the police until event. And there was a cousin of mine, um, Monty. Now this guy was totally different. He was the new era. He was a new era, and he'll come in. He'll come in, in part two of the book soon. And he was a different era. He was born in the time. It, he was. Without revealing too much, he actually went in the heart of the skinheads, went into the heart of Woolwich and said, right, come on, bring it on. And he was a nutcase. Right? And, and, you know, he had to be. He didn't have a choice. He had to be that person to survive. He, he became them kind of thing to, to, to fight them. You know, let's say the only way, only way to beat a monster, they say sometimes, is to become a monster. So he kind of like become a monster. But anyway, he said to my dad, you know, you can't tolerate this. You need to go to the police, blah, 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 blah. My dad used to say to him, listen, no, 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 we need to tolerate this. We, we're, we're foreigners, blah, blah, blah. And so to cut a long, a long story short, he, my dad actually did go to the police and it just made matters worse. That's all I want to say. It made matters worse. Bloody hell. So, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Let's 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 talk about um uh, your next experience. Let's talk about um the next one ne- on your list. Next one I'd like to speak about is Mr. Wong, right? Mr. Wong. Now I remember, right, outside our house, there was no Chinese takeaways in East London at that time. I think it was about 1976, 1977, and. We heard in school, they were going around in school saying, oh, it's a chinky shop opening down Barking Road, they're going to sell this foreign schmuck, it's going to be horrible, blah, 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 and that. And this guy, Mr. Wong, you could tell, right, every time I used to go to school, I used to see him across the road, decorating his shop, opening his Chinese restaurant, cleaning it up, and uh, it was like, wow, we've got a Chinese shop opening down our road soon, selling Chinese food, wow, how's that going to go down? My brother said he's going to get done. He's going to get kippered. He's, going to, he's not going to be easy. But I said, no, he might be all right. You never know. People might like Chinese food in this country, you know. And I remember the day of the opening, right? And the day he was actually going to open it, it was all nice, Mr. Wong's Chinese takeaway. And he's standing outside looking at him pride and everything, yeah. He went to bed. That morning when I was going to school, I got out and I saw him stand outside his shop. And what the skinners had done was they put graffiti all over the front of his shop saying, take your foreign Chinese food back to your mucking country. Chinese food is not wanted in this country. You are not wanted and we will burn your shop down. So all this display that he'd spent money on in 1977 to open up this shop had just totally been demoralised. And he was standing outside the shop looking at it. 
just looking at it. And it was like, and my dad said to us, he said, look, another man who's come to this country for, to, to, to do work hard, to earn money, to become something, you know, to start something, to introduce something to this country, which they might like. Which, obviously, history speaks for itself. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> raging success, I think we've been saying. And, and his, his dreams are just shattered. I think Mr Wong was very, very motivating. He didn't give up. So, But what happened was, we used to, sometimes in the evening, we used to go outside the house, and I swear to God, we used to see Mr Wong down the road chasing his skinners with a machete and them throwing bricks at him, then beating him up. Eventually, the man just gave up and just closed the shop and went... And, and, and that, to me, was an impact. The impact that had on me was that, you know, we can't even try to be successful in this country. Don't even bother, because you won't get nowhere. But, did, did, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. Did you, did, you know, this must just form a mindset that, you, you, you know, I mean, I know you said you, you, you thought you weren't even going to make 16, but it must have just given you a mindset of, like, like, we don't belong here and we're not going to be anything you know, it's not going to happen for us. Or did you, did you have a, you know, a, a fire inside you that thought, well, no, fuck this, like, I, I am going to beat this? Or did that come later, you know, as, you, as you, you grew older? Like, what was what was your mindset, you know, experiencing stuff like this, you know, on a regular occurrence? It's got that's to a, break you down. That's a really good question, Stuart. That's a really good This is where um, our religion comes in, Sikhism. Our, our ten gurus of Sikhism uh, were, were warriors, right? So the warriors, they had, they had to become warriors. Sikhism very quickly is a religion, it's a very young religion. It was formed in order to take on the Mughal Empire. Uh, the Mughal Empire had one mission, and that was to t- turn the whole world into Islam. Um, and Hindus were, were, were being beheaded by, by, by the Mughal Emperor, uh, whether they believed in Islam. Uh, if they didn't want to, they would be beheaded. So the Hindu race was about to finish. So... At that point, um, a Sikh came forward, uh, Guru Nanak, and he curated Sikhism. Now, Sikhism was a, a religion where you can actually hold a sword and fight for righteousness. Right? So we had, we had the religion formed. And obviously, they started off with sticks and stones, the Sikhs, but eventually they took on the bigger uh, Mughal Empire and totally destroyed them. And there weren't too many of them, there was a few of them, but their bravery, their courage... Uh, made them fight. And there's a saying in, in Sikhism that says if one person wants to, you can be equivalent to a thousand people. That's the kind of attitude they had. Now, what my dad said to us, he said that you, know, you, must, you must believe in the gurus and you must believe that uh, if you are brave enough, you can get through this. Uh, it didn't really fill us with confidence at the time because like, we were being called names at school and racist teachers and everything. But my, but my dad said, listen, we need to believe in the gurus. The gurus have put us in this situation and one thing we will not do, we will not run. We will not pack our bags up and go back to India. We're not going to do that. We'll have to tolerate this. And if we can somehow get through this, we will, we will make it. So my house used to be like a shrine. We used to have pictures of the gurus everywhere. I mean, I mean after coming out from outside, being sworn at by skinheads, racist teachers, and that, we're kind of like having a bad day. You just walk into the house and see all these pictures of the gurus, and it used to be feel so peaceful. It's feel like I'm in my shrine, and my life, like it's fortress of solitude. You know? It's like, yeah, I'm safe here. But even then... With the windows being smashed, the world would be safe there anyway. But yeah, so sure, to answer your question, what made us go forward was faith. That the gurus had said to us that if we can take on the Mughal Empire and stop the world from being taken over by a, a certain certain religion or, or whatever, um, you can get through this as well. And so, it did help. It did help a lot. So, Jake, so from being seeing your mum stand up and your dad stand up against um, sort of the, the skinheads and you firstly being a little bit frightened and you know even what your dad and your mum are teaching you kind of like 
Yeah, okay, but you're also <laughs> taking it with a pinch of salt because you're probably scared shitless because you're a child. It, was there a time? Can you remember when you when you practiced the first time you practiced what they preached? Like there was a point of like going from the theory of what your dad's saying and seeing your mum and dad standing up to it courageously, and then you is there a, is there a time you can remember when you just thought oh, enough's enough, or you know, and you you sort of like uh, faced up to it? Can you can you remember that point? Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, about eight years old, being slapped around, spat at, pushed around was a normal thing in school. That was a normal. Now and again, grabbing us, five, six, beating us up. I was small for my age as well, that which didn't help as well. My brother's quite lanky and he could take on quite a few of them, but even then, they used to, in gangs, he didn't have a chance. Um, so being kicked about, pushed about, was a, spat out was a normal thing in school every day. You know, walking through those gates used to be bloody hell. But, yeah, so one day I'm sitting in front of my class with a teacher and the guy behind me is, 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 a, is a boy of the same age. And what he decided to do was stab me in my back with a pencil. All right, he stabbed me. Luckily, I'd, my mum, even in summer, my mum used to make me wear jumper on top of jumper on top of jumper. And <laughs> <laughs> It's cold out there. It's cold in England. No, mum, it's hot out there. It's summer, <laughs> mum. But anyway, because I had his jumper on top of jumper on the jumper, he stabbed me his pencil and it was quite sharp. Yeah. And he got me right between the shoulder blades. Now, at this point, I remember my thought process was, what? Now they're trying to stab us? I mean, being kicked about, spat out, that's all right, I can tolerate. So I just got up, and I remember I was about eight years old, and I turned around and said, what are you doing? What are you stabbing me for a pencil for? And then all of a sudden I realised, I thought, oh, my God, what am I doing? And the teacher, obviously, without even interrogating or investigating, said, Jags, sit down. I said, yeah, but Missy just stabbed me in the back. She goes, stop making up stories and sit down. And at that point, I turned around to Alan, and he was one of the biggest bullies in, in the class, in the whole school. He was a nasty man. He was, he was a nasty boy. And he turned around and said, do you know what, Jag? Do you want to know? And it, there's me, and that's him. He, he, he's, you know, towering over me. And I said, yeah, off to school. I'll have you. Yeah, you and me. <laughs> right, yeah. And then I sat down. He said, right, Jag, sit down. I sat down and I thought, oh, what have I done? <laughs> I've just, just, just offered out the biggest bully in our year. And, I'm, and he's, I'm half the size of him. How am I going to get out? So I thought, no, nah, I've got to get out of here. It's one, it's one of those times when you think, should I, should I um, fight or should I fly? I wanted to fly. I had to fly. He, he was going to do me in big yeah. time. So the next class, what he did was he went a step further. He was speaking to his little lackeys he had. So... Obviously, he wasn't brave enough to take me on himself, but three of them decided to take me on after school now. And he came up to me and said, Jack, not only am I going to do you, my other boys are going to get you together, as we're going we're to do you big time. And, uh, and I'm thinking, oh, God, Jack, is this what happens if you stand up for yourself? I'm going to get done. So what I did was, before the bell, before the, <laughs> before the hometown bell went, uh, if you can call them emergency doors, they used to have these doors that were just open all the time um, with a little sign, stick an emergency door, send a tape to the to the door. And I remember what I did was 10 minutes before the, 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 the uh, home time bell went, I just legged it. I just legged it. I just legged it. And, and yeah. That time shows what the school was, what the teachers were like. They didn't, they, and I was running through the empty playground going, I need to get home. I need to get home. And it was, a, it was quite a long walk home. And as I'm, my brother came out of his, and then the bell went five minutes later, my brother came out. Again, my mum used to make us wear matching clothes as well to make things worse. So he's, my brother's got his, match, his matching clothes as me. From the back, he looks like me. So this guy's come out, this bully, and he's kicked my brother right up his ass. My brother turned around, oh, what are we doing? 
He goes, oh, sorry, I thought you were my brother. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, I thought you were your brother. I said, hey, Bob went, no. And he looked down the road and you could see me running. And he went, and I'll never forget, he went, run, Jack! <laughs> and three of them swarmed across the playing ground chasing me and it was just a, just a chase for life. And as I'm running, I remember saying to myself, this is what happens if you stand up for yourself. It, it, was, wow. it just got worse. It just got worse. I mean, get me right. And I, all I was running, I don't know what I was running down because I thought if they're not going to get me today, they're going to get me tomorrow. Anyway, yeah. there, 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 there was no running away. But yeah, and that was the first time. The, you know, is, there, is that short term self self defence, and you're going to do that, aren't you? But, you know, in the in the heat of the moment. Do you think that um, these these guys, these these, these lads at that age, do you think they have regrets now? So I think some would. Some won't, because uh, one important thing I always say is that no one is born a racist. Nobody is born as a baby and, right, okay, I'm going to be a racist when I grow up. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it don't work like that. For sure. It's, it's inbreded, right? It either comes from the media, um, it comes from the government, or it comes from uh, the parents. Now, these are the main teachers for these people who, who the parents, oh, they're coming to our country, taking over our jobs, doing this, do that, normal stuff. It's inbreded. But I'm not saying they weren't nice white English people. Of course they were. There were yeah. loads. There were lots it's really of weird, Jack. You just said that's normal stuff. That's, <laughs> that's not fucking normal stuff. <laughs> that's not normal stuff for, for, two, for two white people sitting here watching this. Like, you know, that's, it, the fact that that was normal stuff for you, it completely yeah. highlights just how fucking insane that mindset for, for them people was. You know, that's it's ruthless. Not, and, and how it is like in terms of parenting. I, I was like, when I when I started junior school, my best buddy was Lawrence uh, Lawrence C, and he was black. And I knew he's black. He's not like you know, yeah, he was black. But th- we just hung out, and there was nothing there because I had nothing at home. That there was no conversations like that that was happening. And it's sad because it's a uh, it's almost like an illness, and it's sort of I I don't know. I can only I. I barely have any real input on, on on the brief things I've seen but it's 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 just it's fucking shocking that these yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah, that it yeah, gets bred into someone and taught into someone and then and yeah, then yeah, they Chris, act on it. Yeah but Chris that's a good thing. That means your parents yeah. brought you up well. Yeah. That they've done a good job with you because obviously you, you, you just say you telling me that you don't know none of that, you know, you didn't yeah. see much of it. That shows that your parents actually did the right thing, which is what everyone's yeah. parents should do. Everyone's mm. parents should teach, bring their children up thinking equality, everyone's the same. Doesn't matter mm. what they look like. Don't, no one's different. We're all humans. We're all, come, we're all one big family, which is the message I keep sending out. You know, your parents brought you up well, mate, and that's the way children... But unfortunately for us, the children around us weren't being brought up mm. like that. My mum says that you shouldn't be logging our country, you need to get out of our country. Oh, you're, you're, you're too dark-skinned for this country, you're not one of us. I mean, hearing things like that, you can just imagine what the parents were telling them at home. Yeah. All stay away from them. Just stay away from them, them Indian boys at school. Make sure you don't go near them. And, and that, that didn't help. <coughs> A lot of it, I, I, I suppose, is driven by fear. And fear of the unknown and, and fear of... And, and, and then it becomes toxic and horrible and then it's the, the fault becomes then an action, whether or not it's verbal or then... Sadly, physical against you. It's, and it's um, that it's that lack of, you know, desire to integrate. Because with integration, you become educated and you understand other, other lifestyles, other, you know, religions, races, and and that comes from you know, from wanting to integrate. And and I think back then there was so much emphasis on segregate. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, we don't want to know about this. That, you know, thankfully, you know, obviously race is, is in a more, than, more than ever is, is very much something that, you know, the world is discussing now. But I do think we're in a much better position than what we was in the 70s in the UK. Definitely. Definitely. definitely People definitely. can get outed a lot quicker for it. Mm. I mean, so that's that's a good thing. If, if if you think of what's happened recently, with the, sadly, with George Floyd and that, is that one person's death has sparked the whole world's conversation about it. And if you go back to the 70s, that was just a, that was happening, and and no, no one knew, you know that 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 story, your story, wasn't getting discussed, you know. No, no, no nobody cared. No. Um, okay. So, 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 can we quickly say something back to what you just said there as well about uh, uh, um, we did have right. A good, a good, a small, small good part where my mum used to be walking down the street and she used to have actually white people come up to and say, oh, oh, where are you from? What country are you from? What are you wearing those clothes? What do you eat? There were genuinely interested people who did want to make us part of the community. And I remember that. Those used to be the brilliant times. Oh, so what part of India do you come from? Uh, why have these boys got bubbles on their heads for? The people were genuinely interested. I'm, I'm going to say that because that did happen. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, that did happen, that, and that was the nice part. Obviously, there wasn't a much, there was there wasn't many of much of that that we got. Most of it was just racist remarks, f off, and all that. But I did. I will say that there were people who used to come up to my mum and say genuinely and say to her, "Oh, you're from India, yeah? Welcome to our country." Blah blah blah. That there, there were nice people out there. I will say that. Did you enjoy the curiosity then? Because uh, it seems that you do. It seems like you found it as a, a positive experience. Then that you know people wanted to find out. Stuff that they weren't aware of. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was nice. It's nice to, for people to actually have genuine interest where yeah. we came from. And sometimes in school, we used to have it as well. Some teachers, we had one or two teachers that used to sit with us and say, okay, so what do you eat at home? What, do, what does your dad do? What do you, what, who, do you, what, who do you believe in? Yeah, there's mm. genuine questions. And, and that used to be the good time. That, that was like, oh, someone's actually interested. Somebody actually wants to know. But majority of it was just yeah. brutal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, I mean, going back to that thing that I was saying about, I was lucky, Jack, I, and I was, and I guess my neighbourhood was, and when I went to senior school, I moved closer to London, I had to travel, and when I started going out, sort of like as a, a 13, 14-year-old, and maybe my mum had let me go and stay with a friend or whatnot, and that was in more Romford and the Barking areas, that's when I started seeing a lot more racism, like like outward behaviour, words, use, and, and stories. Not of the people I hang around with, but of the, the bullies and of the skinheads and, oh, so-and-so, so-and-so's a baghead, they do that. And I'd hear the stories of what they were doing, and it was it was race, it was just targeted racism. And, and I was just like, I couldn't... It, was ter- it scared me as just a little white lad that there was these other... Well, just white lads doing these crazy fucking things. It was it was terrifying, and that was just hearing about it passively as a white dude, let alone being stuck in the middle of it like you were. Yeah, it's but, crazy. It, 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 and, and to echo what you said there, Chris, I, I, I was born in in Tilbury, um, and, and and my sort of early years were, were in Tilbury, and and in the seventies, you know, if if you ever Google skinhead culture. Tilbury skins will be one of the first things that will come up. Tilbury skinheads were 
I mean, th there was a film made last year called Farming, um, which is a fantastic film. Uh, and it's the story of uh, a, a, a black guy that was um, adopted um, in Tilbury by a white family. And the, the, the racism that he experienced at the hands of them skinheads to the point where he become one. It's wow. it's uh, uh, I mean he's the, the, the it's the, the guy who the, the character he's based on is he's the true story of the guy that made the film he's a very famous actor now uh, and it's and and I remember growing up and everywhere was like spray painted on the walls like Tilbury skins and there'd be all sorts of messages of like blah 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 go home you know and it would be sprayed on walls on houses and it was stuff that you would see and and I remember just thinking my only knowledge of skinheads was just the look. And at the time it wasn't the kind of, well, you know, the, 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 the sort of sixties skinheads that would wear the, the kind of the, you know, Jamaican inspired, you know, kind of clothes and stuff like that. It, this, this would have been like the, you know, the, the, the big cherry red Doc Martins and the bomber jackets and the, you know, the bleached, you know, the, the bleached jeans and, you know, it was, and braces. It was very, very, you know, it was a stark kind of intimidating look. And even as, as you say, as a, as a, as a white lad growing up and seeing that it was, it was very, I remember being petrified of it just because probably some of the stuff that was being written about skinhead, you know, I, 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 I do want to stress that as well, that, 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 that's, when we talk, when we say the word skinhead culture, I'm talking about that era of right wing skinheads. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, yeah. not the the, the 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 true skinhead culture that is certainly not racist. That is very much entrenched in in the Jamaican music scene. Um, uh, and and yeah, but just seeing that kind of media perception of 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 that side of skinhead culture, um, at that point was 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 just terrifying. Absolutely terrifying, you know. That when you see them boots and braces and white t-shirts, it's it is a very powerful, strong statement, isn't it? And it's it's you know, it was intimidating. I found it really intimidating, and and I wasn't having bricks thrown through my window or or being pushed around in the school playground, you know. So I can't I can't imagine what that must have been like. I, I just like to give a big, big, massive, big up to your parents, both of you. They brought you up perfectly. The way you both are brought up, <coughs> I just wish everybody in my school had been brought up the same way, but they weren't. You, uh, big up to your parents, because they're the kind of parents we wanted these children to have around us, but it was the total opposite direction. It was like they were just... And, and you're right there, Stu, what you're saying, and I've emphasised it in my book. Some, most of the skin is at that time, in this country, just wanted to wear the braces, have the hair cut, yeah. have the jeans, you know. They just wanted to follow the fashion trend, you know. Mm. It's, it's a passing phase. But the majority of them... It's when the National Front came out and said, you know exactly. what, we need to do this, we need to do get rid of them out of our country, we need to do this, they stink, all that, all the leaflets, everything. It, it was a big push from National Front. Mm. It's like, yeah, let's get rid of them. Total failure, get me right, we're still here, I'm still here, <laughs> I ain't got nowhere. Total failure, fed on its face. But the fact is that there was a big impact towards us and it was brutal. It wasn't just, I'll oh, put leaflets through their door and they'll go away. No, let's smash their windows. Let's burn their houses down. Let's, let's, let's pick on Mr. Wong. Let's go and destroy... Poor old Mr. Wong who's trying to start a business in this country. Let's, let's go. It was brutal and it wasn't fair. Mm. Uh, and, and I'm not going to say too much, but you yeah. know, there was a time when I was going to grow up. 
I was going to grow up. I remember when the, one time my dad was, we were just parking up outside our house, just being around me nans, had our biscuits and tea around our house. And outside they're throwing special brew cans at, at my mum, at my dad. My mum's oh. got a baby, my sister in her hand, a, ba- a baby, you know, literally baby's crying. My mum's trying to get into the house and my dad's grabbing. And as my dad pushed me into the, pushed me to the house, I remember looking out through that door, looking and thinking, one day I'm going to grow up. One day, I may be seven, eight now, but I promise you one thing, I'm going to grow up. Because I felt sorry for me, old man. Yeah. He's, he's trying to get his two little boys into the air so we don't get a special brew lobbed onto our head. Yeah. And as, I, as my dad closed the door, slamming the door, um, I remember looking for and I saw one of them and I thought, one day, I'm going to grow up one day. I'm not going to be a kid all my life. I'm going to grow up. And... Yeah, when I grew up, it was a different story. But I, I felt really sorry for my dad. I, I really did. I thought, this innocent man, come to his country. You know, he's 21 years old, and yeah, he's going through all this crap. My dad used to... <laughs> whatever used to happen, my dad used to laugh. Because when he, before he came to England, everyone told him in India, like, you're going to the city of dreams. And you know, the, golds are, the roads are paved with gold. You'll get work. Da, da. And I remember every time it used to happen, my dad used to sit there going, he used to like, just, <laughs> just say what they used to say in India. City of dreams. Great, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> window yeah, smashed. Yeah. They're, they're going to burn my house down. Great city of dreams. Because, yeah, because he would have had, the, I guess, when he he um, left, he, he would have had that. He would have had that like whole, like, I can't bloody wait, you know. And then you get there, and the reality is just like, oh, this is uh, this is going to be a this is going to be a fight. Because Chris, I, what I've done is I've actually looked into this. Obviously, when I got to a certain age, I looked into the history of it. Right? Yeah. What happened was in 1967, when my dad was to come to England, it was a good place. Everyone who told him England's good in 1960s, it was. It was Indians can get along. There was no Nazis. There was no Nazi skinheads. There was no national fun. It, it was perfect. So those people who told my dad England's a good place to go were telling him the truth. It, it was. Legit, yeah. But what my dad's bad luck was. That the skinny generation, the ruthless Nazi National Front, is happened to come out at the time when he was trying to settle down, which is the early 70s. That's where it started to boom. So this, it, 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 that's where it just came right in front of our faces. So it's bad timing for my dad as well. But, you know, what they say, if it don't kill you, man, it only makes it's, you stronger, isn't it? It's such a crazy fool. And, guys, I'm going to have to stop in a second because I need to plug my me, me, uh, laptop in. But it's such a crazy thing that we've just, you know, you've had the World War II end, which, you know, surely the lesson there is fascism is quite a terrible thing and then you have a period of sort of like us making amends and actually like then then this massive fascist regime appearing in one of the countries that beat back the last one yeah yeah. it's such a bizarre sort of it's so crazy how closely linked they were to nazism and swastikas and and to think that then grew in the country that was one Chris, of the last lines of defence for that, for against Nazis. Is is yeah. it's insane. And to think you had a period, sorry, Stu, of peace and acceptance that then somehow something something toxic then formed in the cracks and in the in in in, in different parts of society, and it did get stamped out quick enough. Like so, those ideas and thoughts, people weren't going critically think of the stupid things that you're thinking here. And where it's going to end up, you know. Sorry, Shu. I was just going to say, like, so much of that graffiti that I mentioned earlier would be laden with swastikas as well. Yeah. Jag, do you want to tell us, uh, is it your, th- is it, are we on third three? One, third one, third one. Third, third one, yeah. one. Uh, The third one, the third experience which 
we'll speak about. Like I said, it's too many, but this is one which, which um, kind of shocked me a little bit as well. Is when I, when I, when I, when I used to go home for school dinners, yeah, because obviously we, we went home quite a lot for school dinners and that, and mum used to give us Indian food tea, obviously, yeah, because... Uh, you know, we, we enjoyed it. Mum wanted us to make sure that we always kept the Indian food going and, you know, uh, eating the food and enjoying the tradition, cultural food. Um, and I remember going back to school one day after um, dinner time and I was speaking to my teacher and she, she, she's talking to me, shouldn't we? Oh, Jag, your breath stinks. I went, no, why's my breath stinks? She goes, you've been eating that foreign schmuck again, haven't you, at home? She goes, now let me tell you something, Jag. You are in Britain now, okay? Forget India, forget your foreign country. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're in this country, eat English food, not Indian food. Indian food isn't wanted in this country. Nobody wants to smell it. Nobody wants to eat it. And I remember that day, right? I went home. <laughs> I went home that evening and my mum bought me a plate of Indian food, chapatis and chicken curry. And she brought it up to me. And I looked up. It was only about eight at the time. I said, I Mum, said, I, can't, I can't eat this food. She said, why not? I said, my teacher said that, you know, we're in Britain now. We need to eat English food. And, you know, my mum clouted me. <laughs> she goes, listen to me, boy. <laughs> She goes, forget what your teacher says. She goes, this is Indian food, and one day this country will accept it, okay? So you go back and tell that teacher, right, that you will eat what I give you to eat. And it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's Chinese, Indian, Punjabi, Indian, whatever. Tell her. And, and that, to me, stuck in my head, because I thought, and as, I, as I grew up, I thought, God, did I really say that to my mum? <laughs> did I really say to my mum that I can't eat Indian food no more? I mean, it's just, it's just the brainwashing. Now, I could have been brainwashed by that teacher saying, no, Mum, I'm not eating Indian food ever again. No, 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 no. But I thought, my mum's right. I should be able to eat whatever I want to eat. Now, a teacher being in a su- superior position as she is, I mean, you can imagine that today. Imagine a teacher saying that today. You don't want to be eating that foreign schmuck. And that stuck in my head as if, like, to say that, you know what, my mum, uh, salute to my mum. You know, yeah. she said, nah, go and tell her. You'll eat what you bloody want. Well, in the absence of her, your mum... Uh, you could be, you could have easily been brainwashed to to doing that, like like Stu says from the, the you know the the the, the movie farming. It's 
you can be brainwashed into anything, even rejecting and hating and resenting yourself, and that's that's oppression. And we see it in 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 not only race, but you know, sexual preference and all these other things. It's it's a it's a fucking horrible thing to be told that you you can't do something like that. Yeah, no, and she said, oh, no, you get yellow teeth by eating curry. So, so, sorry, Chris, she goes, oh, no, you can't eat Indian food, you get yellow teeth. And, you know, that turmeric thing, it's not really a, a big thing in this country, you shouldn't be eating that, you know, it's not good for you. And it was like, and when I was sort of talking about later on, Chris, I thought to myself, God, did, did she really say that? Did she really say that, you know? And it's crazy, it's crazy. It always comes from positions of stupidity and ignorance as well. Like, like for example, turmeric is often sung for praises for how fucking good it is for you as a spice, you know, how good it is for the body. And it's almost yes, like... Yes, 100% I right, to, yes. Yeah, and I wanted to go back to something that, you you know, we miss... Uh, was it... What, what, what was the Chinese store? What's that one called? The Chinese shop? Mr. Wong. Well, Mr. It? Wong, Mr. Wong, yeah, Mr. Wong, yeah. So, um, you know, you had all those... Uh, uh, those skinheads destroy your shop. Go get rid of that foreign schmuck here. I bet they like fish and chips, right? Fish and chips started in in UK. Fair enough, but chips didn't. They're they're from Belgium. Oh, Had they ever eaten a pizza at that point? It's like the the, the further you that, that's the stupidity of a lot of racist things when you try to think that segregation means something. It's like nothing. We all came from something else, mm. and the chances are it wasn't started. In Basildon, like where I go, you know, do you know what I mean? Or or, or England, it's come from a, a tea. Fuck's sake. You, know, you, you never know, mate. That Indian food might catch on. It might. Catch <laughs> it on. might catch on. <laughs> too soon to say. It's too no, soon the skin is all right. But, I, mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I've got three. I mean, I moved from London to Essex, right? Because I'd had enough of London. Yeah. I, I was even because of the person I had to become to deal with these yeah. people are. I thought to myself I'm either going to be dead or I'm going to end up in prison so I had to, I had to leave East London and I moved to Essex and when I moved mm. to Essex I started a new life new beginning you know I was going to be clean fresh London scum was there I'm starting afresh and I did start afresh I, mean, I got a mortgage today I got two children I got a job got budgie but you know when, when, I, when I started work in Essex about, I think it was about 11 years ago back to what you're saying Chris I, I, I said this white guy in, in the workplace said I don't eat foreign food I ate foreign food. And I'm thinking, oh, oh my God, have I really listened to this? And I said to him, so uh, you don't eat foreign food? He goes, nah. I said, I heard you ordered a pizza the other day. He goes, pizza's <laughs> British, isn't it? Oh, I said, no, it's, no, it's not. He goes, no, pizza's British. I don't eat foreign schmuck, but I eat pizza. I said, nah, 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 nah. So you're trying to tell me, mate, in the traditional 60s and 50s, your parents, grandparents used to eat pizza? Don't think so, mate. Nah, 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 it's British. And I used to have this constant argument, and it was brilliant. <laughs> this guy's sitting there in trendy, the year 2000 telling me that you don't eat foreign schmuck, and he loves pizza, but pizza's all right, because it's British. <laughs> we used to have this brilliant. constant argument. It was That's wicked. Amazing. But the, the difference is now, I, I couldn't stand up to the teacher and say to him, no, what are you talking about? But now I can. <laughs> now I can. I mean, it, it's just crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's a constant argue with him, argument with him saying that, oh, no, pizza's not, not British, mate. It's, it's foreign. No, 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 no. I don't eat Chinese food. I don't eat Indian or that schmuck. But has the world really changed? No, it's still out there. It's still out there. Okay. So let's do your next one, Jack. Okay. Two. Now, this next one, I'm, before I actually go into it, I'm going to say this is brutal. Right, this is one of the most brutal things I ever saw in my life as a child. Um, queuing up for a school dinner queue. All right, mum um, had started work part time, so we started having a few school dinners. Queuing up, big queue. Got to go to the front. Teacher points dinner in your plate, 
And I heard Skill screaming, right? No, stop it. No, no, don't. I thought, what the fuck's going on here? And everybody could hear it in the queue. All the kids could hear it. The teachers at the back doing the food and that, they couldn't mostly hear it because they were just kanging away with their dishes and that. But I heard a girl shouting, no, stop it. No, stop it. And as the queue got shorter and shorter, I looked to the left-hand side. There was a corridor on the left-hand side with uh, two glass panels in it. And that used to be the head teacher's office. And as I got closer and closer to the, to the actual um, uh, the dinner ladies, I looked to the left, and I couldn't believe what I saw, guys, right? All right? Embrace yourself, right? I couldn't believe what I saw. I saw my head teacher kicking the shit out of a black girl when she was on the floor with her hands like that going, stop, stop, please. And he's kicking her. He's going, you fucking nigger. You f-. And he's kicking her brutally. Now, at this point, let's freeze time now, yeah? Let's freeze it. I'm standing there. I think, this ain't right. What do I do? <laughs> and it's like, as, as a seven, eight-year-old, it's like I couldn't, I couldn't take it in. But he was... And I'm not talking about kicks. I'm talking about brutal kicks, like proper putting his leg back and kicking her. And and there's been one 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 um, dinner lady, uh, Mrs. Jones. I remember. I f- obviously, first I thought if I come out of this queue, <laughs> I'm going to go back to the queue and start again. But you know what I thought? Forget the queue. I need to save this girl. So what I did was I remember I jumped out of the queue. I went to the dinner lady, Mrs. Jones. And Mrs. Jones was nice. She was really nice. She was. And I told her. I said, I, I, I think the head teachers beating up a, a black girl and she went no he can't be I mean he is and I remember she barged through the queue she pushed every the kids out of the way and she got him and then a few other teachers came in as well and you know what they had to actually hold this guy back because he still was getting that final kick in his other girl must have been about 10 years old or something but she had been battered she had been battered and obviously the police got involved and the police took him and everything but that, that was one of the most brutal things I'd ever seen in my entire school history. And I mean, there's many more. There's many more, but that one clicks to me because I think to myself, poor girl, poor girl. And, he, and you know, why was he doing it? Why was did, he kicking the crap you, out of Did you ever... How, what did that make you think? Did, right, firstly, did it might, I don't mean to load this question because it might not That's make okay. you think any of this, but did you... Like, knowing that the, that's the head teacher's... Outlook. Did you ever think what that meant for you, or you know how that would pass down as a culture? Into, Superb into... question. Superb question, Chris. I'll tell you why. That's a good question because I worked with the NSPCC, right, yeah. as a volunteer. And I've spoken to thousands of children. I've done loads yeah. of assemblies, and I'm really proud of that. Um, and every time I go to these children and speak to them, one thing you always say to them is, "Don't suffer in silence." Never suffer in silence. Stand up. And when I saw this head teacher kicking the crap out of this girl, I could have ignored that. You're mm. right. I could have ignored that. I just carried on the queue, got my food, and you know, I think like that. But you know what I thought? I thought to myself, if I don't stop this now or tell anyone about this, guess who's next? Yeah, yeah. Could be me. That head teacher, if he can get away with hitting that black girl on the floor, what's going to stop him from doing it to me one day? Yeah. And, and, and and he was a ruthless bastard to tell you the truth because I remember one time every, every time I used to walk by he used to just get me down and clap, clap me up my ass and slap me in the ass and sometimes I didn't know why he was doing it really he just used to whack me as he walked past me in the playground in the school in the hallway he just used to just whack me at the back and that kind of built up that thing and when I saw him hitting that black girl for I'm only eight years old I mean 
Mickey, what the fuck? I thought, no, I'm going to do something, Stu, because what, uh, what I'm going to do, Chris, is I'm going to say I'm going to do something because that could be me tomorrow. Or another kid, another Asian kid, another black kid. But something needs to be done. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They, it's Mrs. Jones, respect. That's it's crazy. nice to see that someone stood up and, help, and helped you with that situation at least. I mean, but it's, uh, I don't know, mate. It's so It's so hard to fucking... Think of that being something that ever ever happened, but it clearly did, and and worse. You know, you think that 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 headmaster was doing that in front of publicly. What were their thoughts? What were their thoughts behind closed doors, man? If 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 they if they were prepared to just open up on you guys, like just walking through the fucking corridor, I don't know, it's mad. Oh yeah, clout around. He used to clout us around the head. Uh, not not white children. Not white children. I, I was just see him. He used to do it to the black children. Smack them on their head or smack them on their asses. What a proper racist he was. And then again, that just added to fuel to the fire, really, because not only did the were the teachers racist, then we had a head teacher that was just a nasty person. That, that's going to come. That's going to come in the book as well. But there's loads of incidents. But he was brutal. He, it was nasty, and it was, you know, like I said, it was. We had to do something. I had to do something that day. And you know what? I'm proud of myself. I really am proud of myself that I didn't turn a blind eye that day because I don't know how I would have lived in myself. I mean, right now, as I close my eyes, I can visually see what he's, him kicking that girl. That's how, how much it stuck in my head. And, but now I realise today when I'm going to be 50 in July the 1st, yeah, right, I'm going to be 50, that I can proudly say that <coughs> not only have I not hidden those thoughts away, not done nothing about them, I am doing something about it. For example, right now I'm sitting here with you guys on hardcore listing, you know, promoting the, to the world that, you know, let's just put it away now. Let's just, we'll just get along. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you know, I, have done, I have contributed towards hopefully to make a difference out there. Wonderful. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure it will, Jack, 100%. Um, go on, Shoot. I was going to say, like, I'm... I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fearful of what number one's going to be. It's like it's just just an, another horror. Like, are they also just before you get to your number one, Jake? Um, so, how, what is the format of Unbreakable? Is it is it in chronological order? Is it does it account recount as many of the experiences that you can? How, how have you sort of written it? How's it? So what I did was first, when Josh was born, I sat down and made a list of all my experiences that I had during childhood, racist experiences, and I filled up a whole A4 book because I'd spent about a whole month doing it, and I thought, God, I can't write all this, it's too much. I'm going to have to do, obviously, an outline, start, middle, end. But then I said to myself, it can't end, it's too much. It's just too much. So then, I, being a big, big Star Trek fan, I was watching Star Trek, I think it was Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery and they started these small little side things they're called Star Trekkies or something where they learn small little bits and pieces little stories and I thought oh that's a good idea what I'll do is I'll do it in order as much as I can yeah and those little bits and pieces that I want people to hear about and some people can say god that did that really happen I'll start off as a little series little short stories called Unbreakables which I'll be working on I'm going to do part one part two part three which will form the main book which is Unbreakable why have I got part one out why haven't I waited to complete all the three parts? Because I thought the world needs to hear this as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Soon as possible. Yeah. And I didn't want to get all three parts out together because it's not, it wouldn't be quality. I want it to be quality, like I said before, guys. So I got part one out so I can get stuck the message out. And, and I mean, MPs um, from Parliament, yesterday Jackie Doyle, um, 
MP in Farrow sent me a tweet saying, Jag, you know, thank you very much for writing this story and, you know, for what you went through. Uh, it, 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 was, it was really strong. I'm, I'm getting this feedback. Yeah. If I'd waited to complete all three parts, yeah. then obviously I wouldn't have got... But I, I thought it was quick for me. I need to get this message out now. And unfortunately, what happened in America, I mean, the time was, I don't know, yeah. if it was good or bad or whatever you want to call it, but it, it's a time where even all I know one thing is this message needs to go out now. That people yeah. need to change. People need to change. Definitely, and, and you know, and, and and reading your book can can only help to educate people on why racism needs to just not exist. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and both of you hit the nail on the head, like like you said, Chris, in the studio. When you were growing up, you you you, you wasn't aware of this happening. Yeah, you're in a different part. We're in East London with a national front of walking down the street with flags and stickers and, you know, using, as I said, your parents brought you up perfectly, you know, and we were surrounded by this and it was like, it's like a living nightmare, man. It was a living nightmare. That's what it was. It, it, it is strange because, you know, and I said to you when we first spoke, Jag, on the phone, like when I was at secondary school in the, you know, in the early 80s and sort of mid 80s, um, there, there was probably maybe uh, two Indian um, kids in my year, and and they would be almost defined as, oh, you know, Harish, the Indian kid. And now that doesn't exist. That's like that, you know. And that's what I I, I mentioned this on a, on a podcast we done the other day. And that's why I take comfort now that. You know that my daughter's generation will just be Harish. It won't be Harish. He's the Indian kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Doesn't need doesn't need doesn't. No, it's that, that it's Harish, and like and I, that that that's the stuff that kind of gives me lots of hope. One thing that we didn't, we had no idea of until we were probably I can't remember when we started discussing this. Me and my mates. But we had to be 18, 18 to maybe even early 20s. And we were talking about... Because, because racism was happening around us. But it... Because we weren't... It wasn't... You know, it wasn't right in my face. Or I wasn't like seeing it open up immediately in front of me. The bits that were happening... Sometimes you couldn't... You didn't realise that was what was happening. So, for, especially from the lens of... If you're not seeing anyone differently to you then you don't actually know it. So let, let, let me define this. When we were about 20, 21, we were talking about what um, where, what our roles were at school in the Christmas play. And um, one, I always boast that I, I was the Wizard of Oz, right? So I always go, oh, I was the Wizard of Oz. Well, how great am I? And it was around this time, one of my friends, Mark, who was notoriously... Like a, a bit of a, a bit of a loner and a bit of an oddball as a kid, right? And he was like, "Well, I was a, I was one of the in the Wizard of Oz, you know, the Flying Monkeys, right? Mark was one of the Flying Monkeys. He was the leader of the Flying Monkeys. And at that point, Mark went, "Do you know what? I've never we never discussed it, never thought of it. But he was like, "Do you know what? All the other five monkeys were just the only were all the all the people of cover." In my school, they were all flying monkeys. And we were like, we, we actually had the video and we could watch it and go, he's not making that up. Like, it's insane to think that, and we didn't, like, honestly, I, I, we did not even have that thought till we were 20. 
when we talked about it, and then he went, hang about, wasn't Tassasa and connected the dots and been like, that's insane that all the kids who weren't white were just allotted as a as a monkey, a flying monkey, and then and the actually even the leader, they couldn't even have the leader of the monkeys as being black. They make the leader of the monkeys white. And we I mean, I'd like I, I can't have a charitable opinion on that where I go, that wasn't intentional. But in some way, shape or form, like there's not a charitable answer to excuse the behaviour of how that ha- yeah. how that came about. But like as I say, we didn't we didn't know because to us that was Lawrence or Lamin, you know, who we they were just kids. We didn't connect the dots until we were older, and then thought, "Fucking hell!" And then you think, you know, what what would they have gone through that we wouldn't have exactly. seen? Exactly. And uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. It's a crazy. Yeah. Okay, Jack. Number one. Okay, right. So attacks on us uh, after school were imminent always every day there wasn't a day hardly I think we didn't get attacked after school you know um <clears throat> beat up pushed about or whatever and uh I remember one certain time when <clears throat> my brother Bob uh, well first of all I just cry sleep every night I don't think I'd remember a day when I didn't go to sleep crying just thinking shit I've got to go through school again tomorrow I've got to go to start Groundhog Day, every day you go for the same thing. Same. Go to school, get slapped, get spat at, pushed about, teachers humiliate you in class. Every day it's the same thing. And there's only a certain amount a seven year old can take, you know, and it's really needs to get me down, you know. And uh, I remember my brother said to me once, my brother, Bob was quite clever for his age. Um, he just says, What are you crying for? I used to hide and cry under my sheets, make sure no one saw me. But Bob used to catch me a few times. And I remember a couple of times he said to me, um, uh, Jag, listen, we're at the wrong place at the wrong time, all right? But if we can get through this, one day we'll be at the right place at the right time. I didn't understand that. He goes, Jag, if we can get through this, right, we can tell people our story, say this is what we did and this is what needs to stop. At the time, it didn't fill me with confidence. And, and I remember one, one day, a few days after he said that to me, we had an art competition going in school and Bob drew this wicked picture and... Um, the, the teachers have said it was quite good and he rolled it up and, and it was raining that day I remember it was raining and as Bob as I came out into the playground I swear to God I saw my brother curled up on the floor and he had his little picture there between him and it was raining and there must have been about eight nine kids just kicking him kicking him and my Bob always said to me Jag what you do right if they ever get you right don't, don't try and sit like that what you do is you've got to crawl yourself up get less damage like that, right? So that was one of the survival skills which we learned. We had no choice. But yeah, so Bob's on the floor, rolled up, and there's about seven or eight of them just booting him, booting him. And I could see his cuts and pieces of bruises all over his face. And, and, he, and, and as he saw me coming out, I remember when he's taking his kicks and everything, he went, Jag, run! And all of them turned around my way, looked at me, and two of them came over me and grabbed me and started punching me. And, and this is the horror. Right, as they're kicking me in, and my brother, I saw the same head teacher that was kicking the shit out of the, the black girl standing there behind with his umbrella, like this, smiling and watching. And I looked, and one moment as I'm getting the shit kicked out of me, I thought, what chance have we got? And he was grinning. He was grinning, and I can see it today. He's had his umbrella in his hand, and he's grinning, looking at us. 
And as we're walking home, as we're walking home, I looked at Bob. He's wiping his tissue. He's wiping his bruises. We're both limping. We're walking home. I looked at Bob and I went, you sure we're going to be at the right place at the right time one day? <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me and went, he looked at me and went, yeah, 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 we'll get through, we'll get through. I mean, my brother's confidence was just imminent. He'd just been battered as shit out of. We're both limping, both been done like kippers, and he still said to me, he went, no, 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 we're just going to have to hang in there. Uh, we're going to have to hang in there. And it was like, as we got, oh, at home, when we used to get home, mum used to go, what happened to you? We, we, mum and dad had enough to deal with the windows getting smashed and the leaflets. It always used to be, we fell down. They yeah. always do stuff, and dad and mum did, uh, they knew, they knew we were getting battered. So then what happened was, obviously the head teacher didn't last, he, he, he went, um, then we had another head teacher come in, Mr Brown. Now this guy was a World War II veteran, right, so he'd worked with the Sikh regiment, he'd worked here, and he talked to us about India. I was like, what? Head teacher talking about India, what's going on here? So I school to, and he's just going, yeah, I've been in Burma, I've done this and everything. So the same scenario happened again. I got walked out of school one day and Bob's getting the shit kicked out of him again. He's been attacked. Um, and and he, again, Jag, run. No, didn't work. They got me as well. I'm dragged in. We're both beat, getting the shit kicked out of us. And a miracle happened. One by one, I saw Mr. Brown come there, grab one of the kids, throw him out of the way. Then he grabbed another one and threw him out of the way. I said, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Leave them alone. And me and Bob thought... What's happening there? This ain't right. <laughs> this ain't right. Mm -hmm. And he and he pushed them all. He said, "Yeah, come on." He's, he must have been about 50, 60. He's going, "You yeah, come on, come on in. You want to pick on these Indians? Well, pick on me first, because their ancestors have fought for our, our country. Their ancestors." He goes, "Go and look at the graves." He goes, "Go back and tell your parents these people that you they're brainwashing you to beat up. They've they've helped our country. They helped us in World War Two." We're like, "What? Huh? What?" But he became a hero. Mr. Brown became our hero. And I remember when I was 14, because I couldn't read and write when I was 13, um, I came home one day and I said to Bob, I said, Bob, I can't read and write. And he goes, well, you better learn, innit? I said, Bob, I, I can't. He goes, read anything you can see. Road signs, shop signs, read them. If you don't know what they are, how they pronounce them, come back. So I started reading everything from the yellow, yellow pages <laughs> to, to newspapers, everything. And, and I did. And I one day remember we did this story competition in, when I was about 14. And you know when you sit in assembly and the, the teacher calls you out and says, OK, uh, uh, Susan, come and get your certificate. Whenever it was certificate time, it was time for me to just go into a ward on my own because I was never going to get a certificate for anything right in school. But when I was 14, I remember I wrote this story so I've been reading and writing. I wrote this story, and they had this big competition that year, and uh, Mr. Brown was up there in assembly. He's up there, our hero. And he went, OK, so this month's story uh, winner is Jack Singh. He has produced a great story, uh, vocabulary extra. And I'm, and I'm playing my shoelace, looking down, and I thought to myself, nah. He didn't say my name. No, it, it can't be my name. No, and I'm playing my, my, my shoelace. And he went, Jag Singh, please come up to the front. And my head's still down. I'm thinking, no, he's got it wrong. I can't get no certificate. I'm crap at writing. And he went like that, le leant to the side. He looked at me, and I looked up, and he, and he went, Jag Singh? I went, yes, sir. He goes, is your name Jag Singh? I went, yeah. He goes, well, come up here, lad. I'll never forget that. Well, come up here, lad. And as I went up there, I stood in the assembly, and he goes, 
congratulations, your story has won the best story of the year this month. Here's your certificate. And everybody clapped. And Mr. Brown was the first one to clap. And I what's going on here? What? What? People are actually clapping <laughs> at the Indian? And everyone's clapping assembly. And as I was about to walk off, Mr. Brown, never forget what he says. He says, stop. Come here, Jack. And I went back. He goes, now, I want everybody in assembly to clap again. Because you guys have got no idea what this young child is going through. He's at a bad time at the moment, and he's brave for turning up. He's even brave for turning up to school every day. So I like everybody to clap again, and everybody clapped in assembly again. And I'll never Happy forget hell, that. Man. And up to this day, man, I salute Mr. Brown, man. He was my hero, man. He Shout out to Mr. Brown. Mr. Mm. Brown, and, man. For turning like making it not except obviously it still continued the bullying but to know that the people at the top at least now had a different perspective on you that's the um, change that was taking place that yeah. and, and because he'd seen it sorry uh, chris in in world war Two, he'd seen he'd battled with six he yeah. stood shoulder to shoulder with them yeah he it they'd, they'd had a, a common enemy so he yeah. knew he he was much more educated is the word and and it, we thought, there is hope. There is hope. He, he was I'm amazing. Just, was I'm, amazing. Ju I'm just stunned that another part of the education your brother bestowed upon you was how to curl up in a ball to, to minimise how much you're going to get kicked in. What kind of fucking crazy conversations is that to have with your younger brother? Yeah. This I'm is laughing now because I'm... Me and, me and, sorry, Stuart, I'm laughing now because with me and Bob, one time when we sit down and reminisce, we like we go, what the fuck? Exactly what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> we say, what kind of fucking conversation? Did you ever tell having? Bob to stop shouting your name out when he was getting kicked? <laughs> <laughs> Jack, run for fuck's sake, Bob! <laughs> they haven't no, no. seen me. <laughs> no, no, do you know what it was, Chris? Because he knew, because he knew I was so emotional and sentimental, yeah. I wouldn't run. No. The first few times it happened, I let actually go and jump on him, yeah. on him so I can take a few kicks and yeah. so Bob said to me you need to run I never yeah. listened to him so that's why he's going just get the fuck out of it how many times I'm going to tell you don't come towards me if I'm getting this shit kicked out of me walk the other direction but I was yeah, I, I was emotional I was only seven my brother was getting kicked in you know yeah. I want to go and help you please don't hit my brother they ain't going to listen to me but I had to make an effort. So that's why I used to go out of his way, Jag, just fucking run! Mm. We used to have conversations at home. If I'm ever getting kicked in, Jag, you do not come near me. Do you hear me? Yeah, I won't. But I did. Because <laughs> he's my brother. Yeah, and, I, and I was, well, fe I was fe I feared for his life, you know? Well, uh, as we start to wind it up um, now, as we, we're, um, we're, we're, we're approaching hour and 20 now, like, I, I, I want to also say that um, it's important to, 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 to say that the stuff you spoke about today pales in comparison to a lot of the stuff that's in the book. You know, there's some some incredible moments of, I don't know, bravery and grit to, to get through what your family had to get through in that book. Um, and so, I, I, you know, my, like my wife read it um, the, the day it came out, and was just like, I can't believe what I've just read. It's like it's 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 an incredible, incredible book. Um, and so, if, if people want to read it, Jack, where's the best place to go and and and, and get it? Okay, so people can download it on www.jagsingh. That's J-A-G-S-I-N-G-H. dot uk forward slash unbreakable. 
once again, that's www.jagsing.uk forward slash unbreakable. Um, back to what you're saying, um, uh, Stu. Uh, a lot of people, I've had a response from a lot of people out there saying, you made all this up. This couldn't have happened. Nah, 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 nah. No, 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 no. I've actually had that response from a lot of people. A great, great fiction story. Excellent. But you know what, right? My witness is Bob, my brother. I'm glad. I'm glad he's there. Because <laughs> he goes, because like I said, when we reminisce, we just think, how the hell did we get out of that bloody area? How the hell? I mean, I mean, up to this day, when you hear people say, you know, I, 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 I can't do this and I can't pay my bills, I'm struggling and everything, and that, we sit back and we think to ourselves, you know, if we can get through that, we can get through anything. In, in, in our human spirit, everyone yeah. in this planet needs to know that if we really stand up and say, do you know what, I'm not going to tolerate this, I'm going to find a way, or I'm going to bloody make a way. That was our thinking at that time. We're going to get out of this one day. We don't know how. We didn't have a bloody clue how we're going to get out of it. But we had to stand up. So to all those people that sit there and think, you know, we just made a lot of cock a ball up. It's not real. It's all true. It's true. It all happened, and, and, and Bob is my witness, and my parents are my witness this happened. I mean, I salute my mum and dad. I, I really do. How the hell they went through that crap with having a baby and two young children in the house at the same time. I mean, when my mum and dad were cleaning up the glass when it used to be smashed, it's, it's a routine. Dad sweeped it up. We got the dustbin. I sat with my sister. It became like a pattern. Yeah, la, 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 window's broken again. right? Yeah. I mean, it became the bloody norm. And, but we knew one thing that we'll get through it. You know, like I said, we find a way or we make a way. And we did. Brilliant. Well, we'll add the link to um, the, 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 uh, everywhere where we host this podcast. So when people download that, they'll also be able to read the bio of, of, of this podcast and click the link and, and go and buy the book. And we encourage you to do this um, because it's a, it's a fascinating read and an insight into, yeah, just, just, just how bad some places in this country were, you know, at that point. And, and hopefully, you know, even with the fact that these conversations are still going on more so than ever at the moment, that you know we're we're, we're pushing towards a time when, you know, the, the, these things will be a distant memory. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, we have to have hope, Stu. Uh, we have to have hope to keep going forward. We have, there's the minority out there, and I say minority because that is the correct word to use. There's a minority out there that just need to keep their thoughts to themselves. Yeah, uh, they either catch up, yeah, or they shut up. That's how it is. Catch up with, with the world we are today. We're in 2020 now, yeah? All right? So let's just all get along. And if you can't catch up, just shut up. Yeah, keep your thoughts to yourself. And all those parents out there that, are, like you're saying, Josh and uh, Hallie's uh, generation, the next generation that's coming, it's, it's going to be, like you said, Harish. It's not going to be Indian Harish or Black George or whatever. It's and do you know what? I, that, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm really proud really? of the fact that I have contributed towards that, just like you have with your, with your children. Mm. We have contributed towards that. We've told them everyone's the same. We treat them with respect, despite what colour or creed. And that's what the message we keep sending out. need to keep sending out. Perfect place to finish right there. Thanks, Jack. Thank you so much pleasure, for sharing man. your story. Salutes. Yeah. Salute to both of you. Thank you very Cheers, much. Mate. Thank you very, very much. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a lot of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. 
I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.